Welcome to E to the Power of Three, a podcast of Bridging the Gap, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from author, speaker, and dean of the Graduate School at Trinity Bible College, Dr. Carol Alexander, as she has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, you will hear Drs. Paul and Carol Alexander's powerful story of becoming the leaders of Trinity Bible College and Graduate School, cultural challenges facing the next generation, and Dr. Carol's heart for the next generation. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Dr. Carol, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. It's good to be with you. We are at the bridge shop, which is like the perfect place, I feel like, for a podcast. We have all this beautiful (laughs) scenery and pictures around us, and you are one of the speakers at family camp this Mm -hmm. year. So we are so grateful to have you one-on-one a little bit, but also to hear you and your husband teaching on such great topics and having such great breakouts, too. We were just chatting about that a little bit. But for those who might not know you, would you mind introducing yourself. So my name is Carol Alexander. I'm the Dean of the Graduate School at Trinity Bible College and Graduate School. Um, The accent is definitely not North Dakotan. Um, (laughs) So the accent is South African. Uh, We were born, my husband and I were born and raised in South Africa, but lived on four continents. So we we pioneered a missions training school in South Africa Mm. many years ago, and that was fantastic, successful sent missionaries out throughout the world to over 50 nations around the world. So it was a wonderful time. We then went to Australia where we pastored a large inner city church and led a college. Um, That was an exciting time. From there, we we went back into missions and into a life of faith. And and then from there, we went to the UK and my husband and I headed up the British Assemblies of God College and Seminary uh, for eight years. Mm. And from there, we came to Trinity Bible College and Graduate School in Ellendale, North Dakota. What led you to Ellendale, North Dakota? Because you've got such, you know, this amazing all around the world. And then nothing wrong with North Dakota, but land in North Dakota. It's a very good question (laughs) because I asked the same question. So um, we had finished our time in England and uh, we knew I'd always had a sense that God would lead us back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. I just we saw this wave of secularization coming across the United States. And I believe that God was going to use us in the U.S. And um, I'd actually spoken to my husband about it many times, said, I believe the next thing we'll do is lead a college in the United States. Mm. And he said, well, we'd have to be a door God open because at that stage, we we had some contact with the United States, preached in churches, but it wasn't like we were well known. Mm. And, um, And in the October, I had a dream. Uh, just before we left Madison Hall, um, I had a dream, and I dreamt that uh, we were in a car, and there was a, a baby on the dead on the back seat, and I turned around and saw that the baby was dead, and mm. I just began weeping in my dream, and then something in my spirit said, "Touch it," you know, just. Get, and as I did, I touched the baby. The baby stirred, and I thought it looked dead, but there's still life in it. And I picked it up and I said to Paul, it's alive, it's alive. And and I started to nurture it, woke up from my dream. Hmm. And um, I, I didn't know what this dream meant. And I felt uh, that God said to me, that's your next position of ministry. Well, we'd come from South Africa, we'd started AIDS orphanages and, and mm. uh, uh, 
AIDS home care. And so we'd had a huge response to the AIDS crisis when we were there. And so I thought maybe we were going to do something mm-hmm. back in Africa. And um, we had invites and opportunities and none of them fitted. And then we got back to the States and um, we were invited within a couple of weeks to do a, um, a spiritual emphasis week at Trinity and uh, mm. we, and there was also talk about them needing somebody there to lead the college. And I said to Paul, no way. God is a clever God. He's not going to take us from the center of Europe to a nowhere, you know, like North Dakota. What happens there? You know, you grow soybeans and wheat. Um, so I thought, no, uh, God is cleverer than that. And apart from that, I'd already put in my request to God. I said, next place of ministry, palm trees, blue skies, mm-hmm. beaches. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I know, you know, that's California <laughs> or, or Hawaii. Yeah. All Florida, tropical. anyone will Give do. Me anyone will do, God. Um, and so, in Jesus' name, Amen. You know that kind of thing. And so, I knew North Dakota. This, this, that God is too clever. This couldn't be God. Um, I didn't even want to go and do a spiritual emphasis week. It felt like the end of the earth. But we decided to go, and we went, and and. Um, In our time there, we were invited to a board meeting and I knew what they wanted to ask us. And Mm. I thought, I know what our answer is already, so Mm. please. Then we got into the board meeting and one of the board's members started out with, I'm going to be honest with you about our school. We were thinking of closing it 18 months ago. We wondered had the baby died. And I'd only shared my dream with three people and my Mm. husband and all those people lived in the UK. And I know that nobody knew them. Nobody had ever had contact with them. And this language was my language I shared. And he said, but we felt that if somebody would pick it up and I said, I picked up the baby Mm -hmm. and he said, and nurture it, we still feel that it's got life in it. Well, oh my I, gosh. Like you you yeah. are telling me my dream. Mm-hmm. You are you using my vocabulary. And it, there and then I thought, okay, God, it's not the blue skies and the 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 golden beaches. Um, but if it's where you want us, then my heart will bow and submit mm-hmm. to your will. And we did and we've been there now ten years and it's been just a fantastic journey. Wow. What yeah. a confirmation. Like, Absolutely. Not a lot of people get confirmations like that, but yeah. that's pretty. <laughs> we needed it. Yeah. We needed yeah. it. When we, got there, when we got there, the school was not in a good place. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like it was on life. The baby was on life support, so it wasn't in a good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over the last 10 years, we've seen God do miraculous things, um, eliminated debt of over $7,000, uh, put in tw- we've done $20,000 worth of campus development everything paid for cash mm. um, seen our numbers grow see the programs grow started a graduate school we never had any graduate programs mm. we now have five master's degrees and a PhD so God's done amazing yeah, things it sounds like it yeah well, throughout all of your history that you just described, I feel like I keep hearing the common denominator of college and school. So what has been your passion, you and your husband's passion for colleges and the next generation? Yeah. I, You know, I think 
both of us have always had a passion for the next generation. We're very confused in our age. We kind of, we've <laughs> lived with young people for so long, we don't feel our age. We can, and then you look in the mirror and you go, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, for years, we've just had a, a passion for the next generation. So many years ago, it was Gen Xs, then it was the millennials. Mm, yeah. But now it's the Gen Zs. And I think it's because... This generation is the hope of the church. Mm. They really are. They are hope. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if we invest wisely and intentionally in this generation, then our movement and our churches have a fantastic future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's so much said about, you know, next generations and everyone has their own opinion. And I <clears> love to what your husband said yesterday about like when he was talking about the Bible story and the verse he was referencing and said, everybody always had this mindset, even back in the Bible of like, oh, the next generation yes, yeah. and their thoughts about it. And I just think that, like you said, we have to remind ourselves that, but that is the next generation yeah. that is going to be building up the church and going to be leading the countries and all of this and we have to pour into them absolutely absolutely it's so so important and when it comes to the learning aspect what caused you guys to want to go into that instead of just like youth ministry or something yeah. what was yeah. it the college aspect um it, it was a very it was a very special experience that my husband had we were pastoring we were pastoring um we've pastored a number of of churches inner city churches actually we were pastoring a large inner city church in johannesburg and um, my husband just had an amazing experience with God one day and uh, almost felt like it was an out-of-body experience mm -hmm. where he he just felt God was in the room mm -hmm. and God said to him three things I'm leading you out of pastoral ministry I'm leading you into a life of faith and uh, you're going to raise up the next generation of missionaries that will go into the world and I think from then we've always had a passion for the next generation for helping them for putting tools in their hands helping them to learn to study and become men and women of faith and yeah. men and women of God. I think that if we prepare the next generation well, mm -hmm. they will do a very good job. So we've had a passion for, I'd say, over the last 40 years. We've mm -hmm. been in ministry for over 46 years now. And um, for the last 40 years, our passion has been raising up kids and leading and training them. Mm. So are you someone that sees yourself as a continued learner? There are some people that are just still getting PhDs at, you know, 80 years old. That I love that. <laughs> I love that. We have people in our PhD program mm -hmm. who are in their 70s. And I just love it that mm -hmm. they want to keep learning. I, yes, absolutely. Believe in lifelong learning. Believe that, you know, we need to be constantly sharpening ourselves. Um, you know, I love Psalm 7872 where it says David shepherded the people with integrity of heart mm. and with skillful hands he led them. And I think you know it's the two wings of leadership. It's the 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 imperative that you have both wings at the yeah. same time where you have integrity of heart, character, but where you also have those skills. So we put skills and tools in people's hands so that they can lead with um, intentionality. Yeah. Because just like you said, we should always be learning. We should Absolutely. always, because I think with learning comes humility and understanding that we don't know it all. You're so right. And the more you know, the more you realize mm -hmm. you don't know. It was at yeah. the end of my PhD where I thought, 
I know nothing. I honestly did. <laughs> the end of my PhD, I thought, I know nothing. I've just scratched the surface. Mm. I've done this massive 150,000 word PhD, but I don't know anything, you know. <laughs> and you just realize there's no end to learning. There's yeah. no end to knowledge. Yeah. Always be learning. Always, always, be learning. always. So I know something that you really enjoy talking about is looking at trends and looking at the next generations <laughs> and feeling that passion about it. So I'm just curious, what have you seen any characteristics or traits in the next generations that are coming? Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> I think Gen Zs are um, very different to their millennial parents. Mm. Uh, I think some of the things that you see in them are, are what you see in their millennial parents, like they're technologically reliant, you know, mm. um, and, and to be very honest, addicted to technology. I think the statistic is something like 57% uh, no, most teens spend uh, f such a large percentage, four hours to five hours a day um, on tech. Mm -hmm. uh, that's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I love technology. I think we need it, but I think we also have to teach this generation how to master technology, not be mastered by it. Mm. I think they're a very lonely generation, very private. Mm -hmm. They're very anxious, very relationally ill-equipped. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are just some of the features. Then then you look at the fact that, that, that we now live in a post-Christian era. So many of this generation, they have no Judeo-Christian roots. Mm. So where I could share with my boomer generation about Jesus, I had a starting point. Mm -hmm. They knew the Ten Commandments. I had mm. some starting point. This generation, you don't have a starting point. I mean, you can't say... For God so loved the world, who's God, who's Jesus? Mm -hmm. You almost feel like you've got to start at the beginning with them. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're less born-again Christians amongst Gen Zs. Um, they struggle with... Funny thing is, um, they've got a high morality when it comes to, you know, the, the environment. Mm -hmm. um, but then a very mixed morality when it comes... Like they believe porn is okay. You know, perfectly okay. But if you don't recycle, then you're sinning. That's this generation. Yeah. You know, there's where mm. my generation was porn is terrible. But if you don't recycle, you know, big <laughs> deal. Um, it's reversed with Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. um, so they've a, a high commitment to justice, like their millennial parents and poverty mm -hmm. and, and those kind of issues. Um uh, and yet there's so many things that are lacking in their lives. When it, when it comes to career, they're very career-oriented. So I take a lot of hope in Gen Zs. You know, a lot of people go, oh, this generation. I think they're a marvelous generation. Mm -hmm. I think that if we can help them and if we can put tools in their hands and if we can help them to navigate some of the challenges in this cultural context that we're living in, mm -hmm. I think that we can see a generation rise up and do things we could never have imagined. Yeah. I believe that they, in some ways, you know, my generation were very, um, you know, everything was rational. Uh, mm -hmm. You had to rationalize everything, even the Bible. We had apologetics. How do you prove this, the faith? This generation is not so much about proving the word of God. They want to experience God. Mm -hmm. They want to feel God. Um, they want to know that their leaders are authentic. Mm -hmm. So um, 
we, you know, I just looked up to my leader and never thought he would ever take me out for a coffee. It was just, I was awed by a leader. This generation aren't awed by what they hear from the platform. they awed by how they see their leaders live. Mm. You know, they want to yeah. see their leaders live what they preach from yeah. the platform and want to see their leaders journey with them. So I think, you know, if we understand our Gen Zs, they are complex, very lonely, um, very career oriented. Mm -hmm. They believe in hard work. And if we can guide them along their career paths, 72% of Gen Zs want to start a business. Hmm. Entrepreneurs. They are Hmm. entrepreneurs. Hmm. They know what hard work is and they prepare to put hard work in. So those are, you know, those are good features and values. Yeah. Um, But how do we help them to channel that energy, you know? And they also scared to share their faith. They believe that science and faith are in conflict. Um, I guess because we're living in this very vitriolic world, you know, politics, you see these politicians, there's anger, there's vitriol. Yeah, 25 years ago when we came to the United States, you could share a very different and opposing political view and have a discussion Mm -hmm. and you could leave best of friends Mm -hmm. now people don't even want to share their views because you're scared you're going to be attacked and gen z's even more so they don't want to share their views because they're scared they'll be attacked Mm -hmm. so just keep quiet be private they're anxious you know, yeah. uh, very. That's why they're into Snapchat, and you know, they've seen their millennial parents sharing their views on um, Facebook and what happened to them. Uh, th- so they're a much more private generation. But I believe there are things that, as leaders, we mm-hmm. can do mm-hmm. tools that we can put in their hands to help them navigate these these challenges. Yeah. Have you heard about Bridging the Gaps, the bridge shop? We operate a beautiful volunteer-run boutique store in Alexandria, Minnesota, with net profits going toward missions. Check out mnbtg.org slash bridge dash shop to see the 2022 open dates and come shop our wide selection of apparel, home goods, decor, jewelry, and more. Again, that's mnbtg.org slash bridge dash shop. You can also find the bridge shop on social media at the bridge shop. See you soon. And I just love how strengths focused that all was because it's really easy to look at, you know, the other generations. And just like you said, you could pick out, oh, they're anxious. Oh, they're lonely. Oh, you know, X, Y, and Z. But that can also be they're passionate. You know, they seem angry, but they're passionate about things. Yeah. So how do we redirect that to faith? Right. How do we redirect that to understanding the Lord and understanding his heart for the lost and then having that passion to reach them. Yeah. Yeah. And the entrepreneur spirit where they're able to start building things. I want right. to start a church. Right. I don't want to just start a church. I want to start this big organization that does, you know, all those things and really focusing on what can we do and using this culture, this cultural yes, change yes, yes. Big and shift. shifting it to not just the fear and the loneliness and growing up in a COVID generation where you're just yeah. looking at screens yeah. all day yeah. long yeah. Yeah. for connection. How do we change that yeah. for Christ right. and the kingdom? Right, right. And I think there are ways. Um, 
First of all, I think we have to help them to be connected to their God. They, you know, they don't know how to sit still and their minds go so quickly. They can't concentrate for a minute. So I think one of the the, the uh, ways in which we can help them is show them the importance with this connection to God, show them the importance of solitude and prayer. Mm. Just put your phone down, mm-hmm. put it away. Just even learn to spend five minutes with God, just in quietness, listen to him, teach them about the value of solitude and prayer. And then I think we need to teach them the value of character. Mm. You know, we've got values don't just come. They Mm -hmm. don't just come naturally to us. We've got to teach them. And I think more than anything, we've got to model them. That's what's so important to this generation is, okay, you talk about uh, these important values at church, but will you model them for me? Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important, model the way. I remember a couple in a big church in Johannesburg, um, their 17-year-old son um, found his girlfriend made his girlfriend pregnant Mm. and the parents were utterly and totally devastated and the parent the the kid said we you know how do we raise a baby we just kids ourselves and they said we'll pray about it and um they i mean that's pretty I would have wanted to give some guidance, like, you know, this baby's from God. This this is a, mm-hmm. a God's given you this child, you whatever. This is something you've got to live with. But they said, pray about it. And the kids came back a couple of months later and they said, we're going to keep this baby. And the parents said, wonderful. Tell us why. They said, well, we've watched you. Mm-hmm. And we've seen your values mm-hmm. and and you've invested in AIDS orphans because you believe in life. Mm-hmm. You believe that every single child has a life and is worthy of a future. And um, and so mom and dad, we're going to raise this baby. And today those, that baby, I think, turned 14 the other day. Mm-hmm. And they've now got a family of four and raising their kids to love Jesus. But what was it? It was the values that they'd seen modeled in the church. Yes. So I think, you know, connecting them to God, uh, character, teaching values, in, you know, just laying them out one by one. All these values are so important. The fruit of the spirit, love, mm-hmm. joy, all of those are so important to to talk about and to reinforce in their lives. It's not just about having parties at youth. It's about teaching them line upon line, precept upon precept. I think characters, very, I think community is important, that they mm-hmm. we teach them that it's important to belong, commitment, you know, come to church, be part of your youth group, just teaching them those very important values. And and then I think also, um, so, so um, you know, connection to God, character, community. And then I think conversation, mm. you know, they... They very they very afraid to share their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, teach them first to listen, listen to others' opinions. That you just don't have your opinions, and then also teach them to share their convictions. I, you, you, one of the 
highlighted features of Gen Zs is that they're very afraid to share their opinions. They don't want to get into trouble. So they're not going to share their opinions. But we can teach them, you've got these convictions, you've got these solid convictions based on biblical truth, but you need to be able to share them. And you can do them Mm -hmm. with civility. Mm -hmm. So marry conviction with civility. Mm -hmm. You know, we've watched our, uh, our, our politicians, they have convictions, but they don't know anything about civility. Mm -hmm. And they've modeled something awful to this next generation. I mean, we model something different in church, but just watching, it's horrible to watch this vitriol amongst these. What if they model to young people? It's dreadful. Mm -hmm. And we need to teach our young people that you can share your faith with civility and that actually science and faith are not incompatible, that the God of science is the God of the Bible Mm. and they're not incompatible and help young people to see that and to navigate those challenges. I think those are some of the important ways Mm. in which we can help this generation navigate some of those challenges. That is just such a huge point. I feel like we could talk about that specific piece for hours and it's not even the celebrities or the politicians it's how gen z is seeing people their parents on facebook react to each other and just to family and absolutely they're learning and they're they're learners they're such learners and they're seeing that and it is so important in how we model it and i you touched on this earlier but that authenticity piece is what they are craving and desiring Mm -hmm. because living in a world full of confusion i mean I am sitting here, you know, I'm almost 28 and I just am like, I don't know sometimes what to even think anymore right, how to feel right, because right. there's so much in both directions. So how are they? How is this younger generation? And, you know, you said it earlier, too, that generations before would be like, OK, I'm just going to trust what my pastor says. And if anything weird kind of happens, I'll just look the other way. But now there's it's we're calling people out and we're looking at actions and actions are more important. So they do crave and desire that authenticity above all else. So how do we have open dialogue with them and share, you can have this, but how do you respond is important. You can feel this, but how do you respond? Right, right. Teaching them to respond in in a Christ-like way. Mm -hmm. And that's why teaching values is so important, but more than teaching them, not only teaching them what you need to do from the pulpit, but modeling them. Yeah, you know, and modeling just, those values, embodying right, them. Right. And acknowledging <clears throat> that there are cultural changes. Absolutely. Every single culture. And you know, you think about even if there's cultural and generational traumas involved in that for generations, how that can impact it. And so we do have to be able as leaders, as parents, as as anybody that is just in any authority or leadership position, just to understand that those cultural changes are going to impact. Absolutely. And Absolutely. it's not just a, quote, stubborn generation. No, uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> and actually, Jen, the, the last 10 years have seen more shift and change than, you know, my grandparents saw over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Really, we they see more, they, they've seen changes has been rapid yeah it's been rapid you just think of the whole gender the gender issues you know and and there's a tendency among some Christians to now read the Bible through their cultural lens um yeah. so 
we can't help that. We're 21st century people. We've been immersed in that culture. But I think that it's important for us as as Christ followers to be very um, intentional in the way we read the word and understand the word and that we don't shape the word to fit our culture so that we're not reading it with 21st century eyes and go, you know, I can can shape this to fit with the cultural context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there are churches and some denominations that certainly have done that. Um, and, uh, you know, they uh, things that were not acceptable 50 years ago have now become very acceptable, mm-hmm. sadly so. Um, and I think what we've got to do is remain true to God's word um, and ensure that the, the values of God, God's word is powerful. Mm-hmm. It, it still convicts, it mm-hmm. still challenges. And I believe that God is a God of the 21st century, wants to meet people where they're at. Yeah. Um, but I also believe that God's word needs to be applied. We need to speak God's word into the culture and shape the culture, mm. not let the culture shape the way we read the Bible. Yeah. I think that's so important. Yeah. Just any, yeah, I have two part question here. The first part, what is just any advice for the leaders, for our, our, the elders for anybody in authority right now that, that as we're looking at Gen Z as our role is to be speaking life into them speaking right. encouragement what is just any advice for them maybe there's someone who it really wants to be there to support the Gen Z's but are feeling their cultural barriers and their generation and not understanding or someone who is just really bad attitude for lack of better words towards the next generations. What is any advice or encouragement you have for them? I think something very important is trying to understand this generation. I I do a lot of teaching on Gen Z's And what I try to do is help leaders to understand where they're at, that a Gen Z thinks very differently to a boomer or a Gen Mm -hmm. Xer Mm -hmm. or even a millennial. Mm -hmm. So if I use, if I'm preaching and I use the word holy, that goes around a millennial's head very differently to the way it goes around a Gen Z's head. Mm -hmm. It goes around very differently in my head. So... I think we've got to really try to understand Gen Z's and then love them. Mm -hmm. You know, I honestly believe that love is primary. And I'm not using it in the gooey, gushy sense of the word love. I'm using it truly in the sense of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, to love this generation, to pray for them. Um, And understanding them is part of it. I've met too many leaders who've put up their hands and said, I don't understand this generation. I don't know how to deal with them. I'm giving up. Mm. And I go, you know what? We need you now more than we've ever needed you before. We need the grannies and the grandpas, the Mm -hmm. aunties and the uncles. What we need them to do is come alongside Gen Z's. Mm -hmm. You don't have to understand everything about them to Mm -hmm. put your arm around them. They want you to put your arm around them and journey with them and love them. And we can all do that. We don't have to understand everything about them, but we can all put our arm around them and love them. And I think we need to do that. So I think that's one way in which we can really help Gen Z's is just embrace them, journey with them, accept them, love them, help them, challenge them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, that's so good. And my final question today as we're wrapping up on time is, what is your advice for the Gen Zs listening? So we've talked a lot about mm. people pouring <laughs> into them, but how can they stand strong during this time of massive cultural changes yeah. and confusion and conflict? Yes. How do they stand strong in this? Well, I think the... You know, I would highlight two points. I would highlight this point of connection to God. Mm -hmm. um, make sure that you connect it to God. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you develop your relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's primary. Mm -hmm. um, so this whole idea of solitude and prayer is very important for our Gen Zs to, to ensure that they have those moments with their God. Yeah. And then to be connected to a community, how very important that is. Um, you know, get connected to a church, to a youth group, mm -hmm. um, find Christian friends. That is imperative. Mm -hmm. um, that you 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 uh, you're mixing with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. I think those. I mean, there's so much more I could say. You know, yeah. spend time with leaders mm -hmm. um, so you can develop those values and embody those values. But I think the two important things that Gen Zs need to know is be connected to your God and be connected to a community. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, that, well, that's the perfect way to end it. I yeah. love that. <laughs> good, good. Well, thank you so much for just taking the time just to encourage and show light in the next generation and to bring awareness and understanding. Hopefully um, everyone listening today just has a couple takeaways yeah. of what can I do to maybe shift my perspective yes. and create more of an understanding of what I need to do to pour into this incredibly important generation. Absolutely. So thank you. And I look forward to hearing you at the rest of Family Camp. Yes. And hope you have a good time and thank you. Can enjoy yourself while you're here too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Just a great joy to be with you today. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for this episode of E to the Power of Three. We were honored to hear from Dr. Carol Alexander on Leading the Next Generation. Learn more about Dr. Carol and Trinity Bible College and Graduate School at trinitybiblecollege.edu or by following Trinity Bible on social media. Dr. Carol has also authored books, which can be found on Amazon by searching Carol Ann Alexander. You can also learn more about Bridging the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridging the Gap app through your app store or by following MNBTG on social media. Thank you for joining us today and we look forward to being with you next time on E to the Power of Three.